Malachi chapter 2 this afternoon. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 2, and let's just read from verse 1. It says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay at the heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and he turned many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible, and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Now let's open a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, once again for the opportunity to come and to look into your word, uh, to consider the great truths contained therein. And Lord, I pray that this afternoon as we spend some time focused here in the, the book of Malachi, that you would you would teach us and instruct us through the passage before us. Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom and guidance now as I speak, that it would be your words, your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would empower me now through the Spirit. Lord, you would be seen and you would be heard. Lord, just uh, bless our time now. And may we leave having known that we've been in your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last Sunday evening, we... Uh, looked at the end of Malachi chapter 1. And we saw the Lord there accuse the priests of despising the name of the Lord. If you look back in chapter 1 verse 6, it says, A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And their response was, And you say, Wherein have we despised thy name so god accused them of despising his name and their response was how have we done this wherein have we despised your name lord and so god in verse 7 down to verse 14 responds by pointing out clearly how they've shown contempt for his sacrifices they've shown contempt for the altar of the lord and in doing so they've despised his name you know instead of bringing sacrifices that were holy bringing sacrifices that were pure before God. They were bringing polluted sacrifices. They were bringing the blind. They were bringing the lame, the sick. They were even stealing animals from others and they were bringing them as offerings unto God and expecting God to be happy with their worship. Instead of giving God their best, they were keeping it for themselves and giving God the dregs. And so their worship of God was not honoring unto him. God was not happy. It didn't please him. It dishonored God. And God was so displeased with what he saw that he declared that he would rather the temple doors would be shut 
and locked so that the sacrifices would cease then to continue the way it was. You know, that's how far they've gone. This is how displeased God is. He says, I just want you to stop. Stop offering sacrifices to me because I don't please his holy name. You see, God deserves far better. God deserves the very best. And he desires that any worship, any service of him is done from the heart, done with a right heart attitude. But the priests were guilty as charged. They had despised the name of God and it was shown by their contempt of his sacrifices and the altar. And now in chapter 2, the prophet Malachi uh, continues his address to the priests of Israel. And he continues on by now declaring a curse against them, a rebuke uh, from God against them for their corruption of the priesthood. And so we see firstly here this afternoon God's rebuke of the priests. God's rebuke of the priests. Look there again in verse 1. It says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. Now, since the priests had dishonored God by offering polluted sacrifices upon the altar, punishment was now coming. Okay, basically God's saying, I am not going to turn a blind eye. God has seen what they're doing and God is now going to deal with them accordingly. God's going to deal with uh, the, the priesthood, the corrupt priesthood of Malachi's day. Unless they repent, unless they dealt with their sin, judgment's coming. We see there in verse 1 it says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. This commandment is for you. The commandment that's mentioned here, this is a word speaking about uh, the decree, okay, or the sentence, the, the judgment that God is stating against them, okay, which is found then in verse 2 and 3, okay, so it's really, O ye priests, this judgment is reserved for you, or this, this rebuke, this sentence is stated against you. God is telling them here, he's saying, listen up, okay, that's basically what the Lord's saying, isn't he? He's saying, priests, listen up, this is for you. What I'm about to say is directed at you for your sin. And as verse 2 begins, God introduces this decree of punishment by declaring that unless they change their ways, he's going to bring a curse upon them. It says there in verse 2, If you will not, let, will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I'll curse your blessings. God says if you don't respond... He says, if you will not hear, if you will not lay at the heart and you will not start respecting me, then I'm going to bring a curse upon you. I'm going to bring a curse upon you and upon your blessings, unless they change their ways. The end of verse 2 makes it clear that this curse is already coming upon them. It says, yea, I have cursed them already. Because you do not lay at the heart. So already they're beginning to experience the effects of this curse. Okay? God says, unless you change your ways, this is going to happen. And indeed, it's already happening. Okay? The curse has already started to come upon them. Commentator Barnes, he said this, The curse had already gone forth and had begun to seize upon them 
from the time that they began to despise his name. His judgments do not break in at once, but little by little, with warnings of their approach, so that we might turn to him and escape the wrath to come. And that's the point here. Okay? It's not as if God just is patient, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything, and then all of a sudden, bang, it all comes at once. Okay? When they started disobeying God, there was already consequences, and slowly it started to come against them. And it's only going to get worse unless they deal with it. That's what God's saying here. Already this curse is coming upon you. Repent, deal with your sin, or it's going to get worse. Verse 3 declares for us the nature of this curse against the priesthood. It says in verse 3, Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. The verse begins with the words, Behold, I will corrupt your seed. Now at first, you know, as you read that, the immediate thing we think of is children, okay, offspring. Okay, that I will corrupt your children, I will corrupt your offspring. When you look at the wording in the Hebrew, it seems better to understand it as reading, Behold, I will corrupt or rebuke the seed for you or because of you. Okay? And so it seems to be more referring to the seed that they're planting upon the ground. Okay? Uh, the context and the Hebrew, it seems to be leading more that way. There may be a curse against their children too. But the context and the way it's written, it seems to be more speaking about the seed that they're planting. Basically, God is declaring here that he is going to corrupt the seed that's cast forth upon the earth so that it doesn't grow, so that it doesn't produce a harvest. God says he's going to make it just die and nothing's going to happen. It's a declaration from God that their sin is going to result in a famine. Okay? And, and it's going to affect everybody, isn't it? Not just the priests. Because of their sin, this effect, this curse is coming upon the whole land. It will affect the priests too because even though they didn't own land, they accepted sacrifices from the people, didn't they? They accepted offerings. Okay? And part of that went to the priests, went to the Levitical priesthood. That was where they got their food from and their income from, from the people. And so if God says that he's going to corrupt the seed, they're not going to get anything either, are they? Okay? It's going to flow right through the whole nation. They're all going to suffer because of the sin of the priests from this curse that God is going to bring upon them. And indeed, it's already gone forth. It's already beginning, this curse. The verse continues on and it says, And spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts. You know, basically here, God declares that he's going to take the dung, the, the entrails of the animal sacrifices that they've been bringing, He's going to take their entrails and he's going to smear it upon their faces. That's what God says here. He says, those sacrifices you've been offering to me, those polluted ones, I'm going to take their entrails, the dung, I'm going to smear it upon your face. You see, the sense here is that the sacrifices that they were bringing were so far from acceptable to God that he's going to reject not only the sacrifices, but he's going to reject them as well. He's going to reject the priesthood and he's going to cast it back in their faces, basically. It's like the Lord taking the sacrifice and he's just throwing it back at them. Because he's not happy. God's not happy here with what they've been doing. God is, is appalled at the way they've been behaving as priests of God. See, it's a phrase expressing for us the utmost contempt 
for them and for their sacrifices. That's what that phrase is. It's God expressing his utmost contempt. How much he despises what they've been doing. How much their sin is hurting him. God is trying to make it clear to them that this is despicable. This does not honour him. It doesn't glorify him. And basically also God is declaring that he's going to expose them to the greatest shame as well. Okay, To have the dung smeared upon you, what's that do? It makes you unclean, unfit. You couldn't then come back into the, to the temple to sacrifice. God's going to say, he's saying, I'm going to smear it upon you. He's going to make them unfit, unclean. He's going to expose them to the greatest shame possible for a priest in a sense. Expose their sins to the people. You see, the verse ends with the words that says, um, and one shall take you away with it. Okay, the picture here is that with the dung spread upon them, the entrails spread upon them, they're going to be thrown out with the entrails. Okay, if you remember in the Old Testament with the sacrifices, they would take the entrails, they'd take the dung of the animals and they would take it outside the camp and they'd burn it outside the camp. Okay. And that's the picture here. That's, that's what God's saying. He's saying, I'm going to smear it upon you, and then you're going to go out with the dung. You're going to be cast out with it. This suggests to us that God is going to bring an end to it. That's what God's saying here. He's saying, I've had enough, and I'm going to bring an end to this corrupt priesthood. Bring an end to the, these, these sacrifices, but also to the ones who are offering it. He's going to remove these guilty priests from their office unless they deal with their sin in verse 4 it makes it clear that god's desire through all this was that they would turn from their sin okay verse 4 it says and ye shall know that i have sent this commandment unto you that my covenant might be with levi saith the lord of hosts verse 4 makes it clear that god god has sent this commandment god has sent this rebuke this this um, judgment upon them. Why? Because he wants the covenant to continue. Okay, the covenant with Levi. God wants the Levitical priesthood to understand he's judging them, that he's, he's chastening them, and God wants them to turn back. Okay, God is sending this because he wants them to turn back from their wickedness. God's rebuke of the priest, you know, it's firm, isn't it? It's severe. He says he's going to curse them. He's going to curse the land. He's going to make them despicable in the eyes of the people, expose their, their sin. Remove them from the priesthood if they don't change their ways. But God's whole purpose in this declaration is he wants them to wake up and change. That's what God wants. God wants them to realize their sin and turn from their wickedness back to a proper respect of him and his sacrifices. And with that in mind, the Lord now contrasts for us the godly priesthood of Levi with the ungodly priesthood in Malachi's day. And so we see here, secondly, the example of the godly priest. The example of the godly priest. Look in verse 5. <clears throat> it says, My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me. And was afraid before my name. The law of truth was not, oh, sorry, was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law in his mouth, for he is the messenger 
of the Lord of hosts. And so Malachi now, under the direction of the Lord, he contrasts for us the ungodly conduct of the the priesthood in his day with the godly character, the godly uh, conduct of their ancestors. Okay, their ancestor in particular with whom God had made the priestly covenant. Now, many commentators believe that the particular reference here is to Phineas. Okay, and they believe this because of Numbers 25. Just turn over to Numbers 25. Uh, Phineas was the, gran- the grandson of Aaron. Okay, in Numbers 25, we see the Lord speaks of this covenant of peace with Phineas. Numbers 25 and verse uh, 10. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made an atonement for the children of Israel. So there it talks about this covenant being made with Phineas, this covenant of peace. And basically Phineas, as I said, he was the grandson of Aaron. And this covenant here is given or it's confirmed to him. Okay, The covenant, of course, was originally made with Levi and his sons and then with Aaron and the priesthood. But the covenant here is confirmed, if you like, to Phineas. And the reason that it's confirmed to him in Numbers 25 there is because of his actions. Because Phineas stood up against wickedness and he dealt with those who were guilty of it. You know, if you read Numbers 25, it was a low point in the history of Israel. Okay? There was intermarriages going on, there was wickedness, there was sin. And Phineas, he stood up. He was jealous on behalf of his God. Okay? He turned the wrath of God away from Israel. God had sent judgment. Okay? I believe it was a, famine, a, a, sorry, um, a disease of some sort. God has sent judgment, and because Phineas stood up, God acted, God turned his wrath away. Okay, Phineas took um, the right action, didn't he? Phineas feared God, and as the priest of God, he led the people in repentance. He dealt with the sin. He didn't just stand idly by and watch it. He dealt with it. And God renewed his covenant with Phineas because of it, or confirmed it, if you like. You see, the point is that the attitude of Phinehas and indeed the attitude of all the godly priests of the tribe of Levi was one of reverence and respect for God. That was the big thing. It was reverence and it was respect for the name of God. If you read verse 5 there, it says, My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me. And was afraid before my name. You see, Phineas feared God. All of the godly priests who had gone before this time feared God. They reverenced God. They respected God. They respected the name of God. And because of that, it changed the way they acted, didn't it? You see, this, of course, was the complete opposite of the ungodly priests in Malachi's day. What was chapter 1 all about? It was about the fact that they did not... Um, care about the name of God at all. They didn't hold God's name up as they should have. They showed no respect for God. It was the complete opposite. You see, the godly priest, the priesthood that pleased God, was one that feared him. 
They feared him. They respected God. In verse 6, Malachi continues on to describe the godly priest. Not only does the godly priest fear God, but also the godly priest knows the word of God. Verse 6, the law of truth was in his mouth. And iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and he turned many away from iniquity. It says at the start there, the law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. You see, the, the priest in Israel was supposed to be the teacher of the law, weren't they? Okay? They were supposed to be the, the ones who knew God's word, and they were then to be able to teach God's word because they knew it. They, they were supposed to have a good understanding of God's word, God's law, so that they could then instruct and teach the people in God's word. You know, it was the priest's job to also enforce the law. You know, they, they would reside over the, the, the trials, if you like. They were the ones who enforced the law of God. And this meant that they had to be fair, they had to be just in their enforcing of the law. That's what the phrase iniquity was not found in his lips. That's what it's talking about there. Saying that he's fair and just in his judgments. You see, the priest, the godly priest, was someone who didn't show partiality. The godly priest is someone who doesn't twist the law, twist the word of God for their own benefits. The godly priest was someone who knew the law and was faithful to it. Verse 7 reiterates this point as it declares the priest is the messenger of God. Verse 7, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Where were the people to, to seek the law? They were to seek the law at the lips of the priest because he was the messenger of God. He was the one they were to go to for understanding of the truth. He was the teacher. And as the teacher of God's people, he needed to know God's word. He says also here, not only were the godly priests to fear God and to know his word, but he also says in verse 6 that they were to walk before him, walk with him, if you like. Verse 6 it says, uh, the law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity is not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and he turned many away from iniquity. So this means not only were they to know the law, but they were to live it. They were to fear God, know God's word, and they were to live God's word before the people. See, by their lives, they were to be an example of righteousness unto the people. The words walked with here indicate an intimate fellowship with the Lord. The priest, you know, if you looked at the nation of Israel, if anyone was going to be walking with God and have a relationship with God, it was supposed to be the priests, wasn't it? They were supposed to be the ones you could look at and see, okay, that's what it means to walk with God. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. You would look to the priests. You see, they were to be men who loved God and lived as such. Indeed, their lives were to have an effect upon others. That's what the end of the verse declares there. End of verse 6, it says, And did turn many away from iniquity. The godly priests, by their actions, by their lives, turned everyone else away from sin okay because they feared god they knew god's word and they lived it the people are watching and the people themselves then are living for god aren't they you see the godly priests influence the people in the right direction 
And so basically here, there's three characteristics pointed out about the godly priest. They feared God, they knew God's word, and they walked according to the truth. As I think about that this week, you know, we could take those same three characteristics, couldn't we? And apply them to us as believers. You know, the New Testament talks about us being priests of God. 1 Peter 5 says that we're a royal priesthood. You know, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We are priests of God. And these same character traits that apply to these Old Testament priests, they apply to us today as believers. You know, it begins with us fearing God, doesn't it? Fearing God, truly reverencing God, standing in awe of Him and who He is. Proverbs 9, verse 10, was it say, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Pastor preached about that last Sunday. It starts with a fear of God. You see, the biggest problem in Malachi's day with the priests was their lack of a fear of God. That was the biggest problem. That's where everything else stemmed from. Because they didn't fear the Lord. Because they didn't fear Him, this led them to despise the service of God, to despise His Word. It led them to serve Him in an unholy manner. I love the same is true in our own lives. If we don't fear God like we ought, it's going to affect our lives. We must fear the Lord, reverence His holy name. You know, when we fear the Lord as we ought, naturally then we will love His Word. It's the next one there, isn't it? Knowledge of God's word. Naturally, if you fear God, you'll want to get to know him, spend time with him in the word. We'll desire to have an ever-deepening knowledge and understanding of the truths contained therein. Now, this leads us to daily spend time with God, doesn't it? Because we fear him, we love him, we want to learn about him, we want to learn from him. It's a daily we spend time with him and daily we're growing in our relationship with him so that we then might teach others also. We might instruct others in the word and share with them the gospel. You know, that then leads to the third characteristic, doesn't it? Walking according to the truth. When we fear God and we have a knowledge of his word, it then is evident in our lives, isn't it? It it starts to come out in the way we live, the way we act. It will be evident to everyone around us and our lives then will be a testimony that brings others to the truth. Matthew 5, 16, we know the verse, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It'll let our light shine. We're to, by our testimony, by our example, bring others to Christ. And beloved, that testimony is to stem from our fear of God and our knowledge of his word. Because those two change the way we live. So we live holy before him. You know, sadly, none of these things were true of the priests in Malachi's day. And that's the point here. None of these things were true of the priesthood that was serving as Malachi is writing this prophecy. None of these things were true. They didn't fear God. They didn't know God's word. And they certainly weren't living according to God's word. And that's the last little bit here. We see the ungodly priesthood. The ungodly priesthood. Look in verse 8 with me. It says, But ye are departed out of the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but hath been partial in the law. Malachi concludes this section by coming back now to focus on the ungodly priests. 
to bring their characteristics, if you like, into the, into the spotlight, to show how far they've fallen short of what God expected. In verse 8, it starts out, it says, But ye have departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble out of the law, at the law. They had departed out of the way. God, God's just described what he expected from godly priests. And he says, but ye have departed from the way. You are not acting like this. Instead of instructing the people in the ways of the Lord, they were, in fact, leading the people away from the Lord. They weren't turning people from sin. They were turning people to sin. It says there in verse 8, it says, but ye have departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. They're causing everyone else to stumble, everyone else to fall. They're a hindrance to the people instead of a blessing because of their wicked behavior and their false teaching. Basically, the people are looking at the priests and what they're seeing is hypocrisy. They're seeing hypocrisy. The priests are not living God's word before them. The priests are not honoring God in anything they do. And so the people are looking at the priests and the priests are a stumbling block to them because they're following their leadership. They're now ignoring God as well, and they're living in sin themselves. So the priests didn't fear God. They didn't uphold God's word. They didn't live according to God's word. They were hypocrites. And they were stumbling blocks to the people. In verse 8, it continues on. It says that God accuses them of corrupting the covenant of Levi. But ye are the part of the other way. You've caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. They were corrupting the covenant of Levi. They were corrupting the priesthood, ruining the priesthood. That's what God says. He says, you're ruining my priesthood. You're ruining what I put in place. You're stifling the spiritual growth of the nation by your actions. You see, they were so far from what God desired them to be. Now, verse 9 gives us another example of this corruption. It says in verse 9, Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. They were corrupt, and it was evident by their partiality. They were, they were partial when it came to the administration of the law. They were not upholding the law. We talked about earlier how the priest was to know God's word and to be fair in his judgments and in his teaching and his dealings with men. These priests, they were not fair at all. They were partial. Basically, this implies that they were taking bribes. You know, it was probably that they were taking money from the rich and they were ruling in the favor of the rich against the poor. They were not fair in their judgment at all. They were not Lord, they were not true to God's word. Now, they were supposed to be God's representatives to the people. And yet they were totally dishonest in their dealings with men. You know, God declares that because of all this, he had made them contemptible and base before all the people. He says that there in the start of verse 9. He says, Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the the people. Basically, God says, because of all this, I've made you contemptible in the eyes of men, in the eyes of all the nation. They're looking at you now with contempt. Basically, the nation had lost respect for the, the priests. The priests had lost all respect. The people now held them in contempt. The people despised the priesthood. Remember, the priests, they despised the name of God. Well, now the priests themselves are despised by the people. 
You know, as I was thinking about that, isn't it sad that this could also be said of so many Christians today, so many churches today, that they're held in contempt by the world because of their hypocrisy. Held in contempt, despised by the world because as the world looks at them, what they see is hypocrisy. Instead of living a life that leads men to Christ, they're living a life that turns men away from Christ. Lord, I think the question that comes to mind from this passage that we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of priest are we? That really is the question, isn't it? What kind of priest are we? Are we guilty of hypocrisy, turning men from the truth? Or are we living and serving God according to the truth of his word? Why? Because we love him and we fear him. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, and Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for this book of Malachi and the truths contained therein. Lord, the priests in Malachi's day had brought such shame to your name. Lord, now before the eyes of the people, they were despised. They were held in contempt because of their hypocrisy, because of their sin. Lord, I pray you help all of us as believers to be ever mindful of the way that we act, the way that we behave. Lord, help us to indeed fear you as we ought. Help us to love your word, spend time in it, know your word. And help us then to live your word before men. Lord, I pray you help us to indeed be the godly men and women you want us to be to be the example under this world around us, I pray. Bless as we close now, we pray these things in Jesus' name.